Welcome to Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening, where we celebrate resilience, honor triumph over tragedy, and inspire transformation, guiding you on a life-changing journey of healing and self-discovery. I am Stars Tina, your host. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I am so excited to be bringing you an extra bonus track from Glenn Lundy. A few months ago, I went to a conference in Texas. It was called Champions Business Conference, and it was absolutely amazing. So I recorded this while Glenn was speaking, and I thought you would enjoy it. So here you go. This was the craziest competition I ever had an opportunity to be a part of. Here's what they told me. They were like, okay, here's what you're gonna do. There's 27,000 people that are gonna compete. <laughs> on your first audition you have 60 seconds to deliver a keynote if you make it through that round you have another 60 seconds to deliver a keynote if you make it through that round we'll give you two minutes I was like dang double me up <laughs> you get two minutes to deliver a keynote I'm like dang I do a 47 and a half minute show if you guys are lucky it's 47 and a half minutes. When I started that show, it was like seven minutes, then it became 12, then it became 18. Like, I'm long-winded, man. You give me two minutes to deliver a message? So I did the audition. I made it to the next round. I did the audition. I made it to the next round. They took me to Miami. Down in Miami, there was 160 people in Miami. And they started taking us room by room over two days. They took us into a room and they said, Okay, we're not telling you what's happening in the room, but you got 60 seconds. Right. Okay. And we walk in the room, right? I'm doing one, uh, I walk into the one room, and he's like, all right, we're live on Facebook and all these other places, and we're going to judge whether you make it through or not based on everybody's comments and reactions in the thing. You have 60 seconds, go. I'm like... Okay, right? So I start spitting. I'm spitting stuff about homelessness. I'm spitting stuff about identity. I'm just, I'm trying to get an like, engagement or reaction. Like, give me a like, give me a comment. I'm trying to do something. Halfway through the thing, the, 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 the uh, camera guy knocks over the lighting. One of these big lights like this. Actually, exactly like this. Like, like I think it was this one. He knocks this thing over. It falls on the ground. It shatters. Glass goes everywhere. And I just keep talking. I'm like, bro, I got 60 seconds. <laughs> I don't know what you're lighting. I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm just going to keep going, right? I get done with the thing. The guy goes, man, you did a phenomenal job. He says, that light that, that, that fell over, that was part of the test. Oh, wow. We wanted to see if you could still deliver a keynote with all the distractions. So we went to room to room. They gave me one minute, one minute, one minute. Made it to the next day. We go in the next morning. They're like, okay, the final, uh, I think it was like 30 people or something. No, final 12. Final 12 people. You guys are going on to day two. We're going to bring out the judges. I'm like, judges? Okay. I thought y'all were the judges. So they bring out the judges. The judges are Grant Cardone, Elena Cardone, Pete Vargas, and Stormy Wellington. Right? These are the judges. And so I'm thinking, I know Grant. I've known Grant a long time. I know Elena. I've known Elena a long time. I met Stormy before, 
at an event and Pete Vargas, I kind of know that guy too. So I'm like, shit, I'm screwed. <laughs> they like know me, know me, right? Remember, you remember when your dad coached you in Little League or whatever, he was harder on you than they were on anybody else? Yes. I'm like, dang, I'd rather have some people I don't know, some strangers, whatever. So I'm like, all right, I'm, 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 I've got to work this. They go, you got one minute to impress these four judges. I go, okay, well, I'm going to maximize the time a little bit. So I'm going to go in and I'm gonna actually engage and interact with people before my minute even starts, right? I'm trying to like cheat the system, get a couple extra seconds. So I walk into the room, I say, hey, oh, hey, Grant Cardone, great great to see you, Grant. How you doing, Elena? Great to see you, Elena Cardone. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Stormy Daniels, pleasure to meet you, Stormy Daniels. Keith Vargas, pleasure to be, great to, great to, and I walk back on the stage and she goes, my name is Stormy Wellington. <laughs> I am not Stormy Daniels. <laughs> the keynote I was delivering was about the power of a name. <laughs> Bro, my heart's racing now. Just thinking about that moment, right? So I deliver the keynote. Stormy is kind enough to forgive me and offer me grace. They put me through to the finals. The finals are in Las Vegas, in Jim Grand. I, iconic place, right? Like in Jim Grand where you know, Mike Tyson fought and Floyd, like all the great fights of all time, Muhammad Ali, all these guys, right? I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is the big stage. And it was interesting because I've always wanted to be on the big stage. Like as long as I can remember. My guess is some of you probably feel the same way, right? Like you wouldn't be in this vibration with me if you didn't feel some of that. But as long as I can remember. I can remember being in uh, kindergarten and they would take me into the room with the third graders and I would get to sit on the stage and I would read. I was a really good reader. My sister taught me how to read very early. So I would read to all the third graders as a kindergartner. It felt amazing. I loved it. And then I remember being 12 years old and there was a young lady named Kara Thrasher and Kara had been in an accident, unfortunate accident with a shotgun and she was paralyzed from the waist down and so we wanted to raise funds for her and I said, well, let's have a talent show. We'll build a stage. We'll put people on the stage, we'll raise money. And so I emceed my first event at 12 years old. It was incredible, I love it, I loved it, the stage. Right? And so I've always had this dream to be on this big stage and here it was this was my moment and so now that I got through the 27,000 people we're down to the last four we're in, at the MGM Grand there's 50 well 45,000 people watching this thing and they were kind enough to give me three minutes <laughs> I'm like yeah all right if I could do it one I could do it two I could do it three right so give me three minutes so I've got this speech down word for word dialed it's three minutes right practiced it over and over and over and over and over i'm on the plane i'm practicing over and over and over i'm on a run i'm practicing over and over and over i call my buddy darian sanders anybody know darian yeah. i call my buddy darian sanders he's simba in the lion king on broadway i said bro how do you how do you memorize like your lines like i i don't have room to mess up most speaking events you have a little room to mess up Right? You got a little bit of room. They're like, I'm like, how much, how much time I got on stage? They're like, 30 minutes. I'm like, all right, 37. Yeah. 
right? And then the people that run the events, the guys like the Ramonas, they hate guys like me. They hate that. Dude, it's 30 minutes, not 37. I'm like, eh. <laughs> right? So normally I have a little bit of space, right? But on this thing, they told me, I get there, we're in the back room, there's all these, I mean, people there, all these celebrities, all this different thing, and they're like, look, if you go three minutes and one second, a big red buzzer is going to go off in the place and you're disqualified, you lose. Wow. I'm like, dang. And they weren't joking, they put the clock up on all the screens so the entire audience could see exactly where my three minutes was. Insane, right? So I practice, I've got it, I practice, I've got it, I practice, I've got it. I said, Darian, what is the trick? Darian says, you need to write out, you need to write out your speech, and if you can write it out and have it match specifically what you've already written down without looking, then you know you got it. I was like, okay, that's a good trick. I had never thought about that, right? I was repeating it, reciting it, recording it. He's like, no, write it. If you can write it word for word without missing a word, you got it. So I'm gonna grab a piece of paper, I write the whole thing down, boom, 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 got it. Done. So now's my time. I'm on the stage. The clock's up there in the corner. Can you guys imagine the pressure? It was crazy. 45,000 people, a big red buzzer is gonna go off if you screw up, right? And I'm sitting in front of Grant Cardone, Stormy, who was so gracious, all over again, right? Elena's there, Pete's there. Here it is, this is the moment that I've been, I've been working for my entire life. This is the moment, and I walk out on the stage and I say, who are you? And then from there I say, my name's Glenn Lundy, husband to one, father to eight founder of Breakfast with Champions, morning show host of Hashtag Rise and Grind, and the owner of the 800% Elite Automotive Club. And I go into this story about how I grew up with my mom being white, and my dad being black, and them getting divorced when I was 11 years old, and my mom getting remarried to a white dude, and my dad getting remarried to a black woman, right? and how they moved into the same exact apartment complex two doors down from one another. And so I grew up with this all black household and this all white household. And when I say all black and all white, I mean every stereotype that you could think of existed in these two households. Dad's house was loud, we was eating collard greens, uh, sports on the TV, Kool-Aid, chicken, all the things. I can't swim, any stereotype you can think of. <laughs> that all existed. Mom's house was like mellow, chill, country music, show tunes. She'd be sitting on the couch, you know, eating, I don't know, delivering llama beans, whatever the heck it might be. <laughs> I don't know about y'all sometimes. <laughs> But it's crazy, right? But I go into I go into this story. I share this story because I'm I'm trying to take this speech in a certain direction. So I gotta connect them with me, but I gotta do it fast because I only got three minutes to do this whole thing. So I gotta make the connection. I gotta tell a little joke. I gotta get people to laugh, right? I tell them this 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 joke about how I have eight kids and each one of my kids has been getting lighter and lighter skin. It's been kind of crazy, right? And and when 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 uh, Meredith was born, my daughter Meredith, she's got blue eyes and blonde hair. And when she was born, I looked at my wife and was like, honey, is that the Amazon baby? She said, Amazon baby? I said, yeah, I've been traveling a lot. The Amazon dude's been here every single day. Is that the Amazon baby? 
My wife was like, nah, honey, you're just running out of toner. <laughs> she stuck me, bro. She stuck me, right? So I'm telling the joke. I'm weaving in the stories. I'm trying to move this thing the whole way. And while I'm doing that, instead of saying, my mom remarries a white dude and my dad remarries a black woman, instead, all of a sudden, in my brain, my stepdad, who is white, becomes black. Oh my. He's never been black. My whole life, dude was white from the very beginning. For some reason, I didn't think I needed to practice that part of the speech very much. The dude's white. But I'm on stage in front of 45,000 people. And I'm like, yeah, my mom remarried. She remarried a black dude. <laughs> what? I, I didn't know where that came from. But all of a sudden, my brain goes, oh, mistake. Oh, mistake. Clock. Audience. There's no time for mistakes. We got to, like, you got to go, bro. You got to go. But you guys, you guys know how it is, right? Once we make that first mistake, it's like, oh, shit. We start to, we start to focus on it a little bit. Right? And it's like, oh, oh. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Keep going. Your dad's black today, bro. He's black today. Just get over it. Just get over it, man. He's black today. Right? So I just, I just keep rolling, right? I just keep rolling. And so I go through it. I'm sharing the story. We're talking about how I grew up in the different ways. And then I go into this. I go into this part where I, 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 uh, I talk about Grant Cardone himself because I figure we're gonna pull, I'll pull in the judge and everybody's here for Grant Cardone anyway, it's his event. So I'll like bring him in, but I'll make it a little humorous because I'll like make fun of him, right? And I'll honor his wife, by the way. Write that down, quick note. Anytime you get a chance, make fun of the dude, honor the wife, okay? All right, don't do it the other way around. All right, Chris Rock figured that out, right? Okay. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. It's still too early? I thought it was, I thought we were good. All right, but always make fun of the dude, honor the wife, all right? That's the thing. So I like go through and, and I'm talking about how Grant Cardone, his whole life always knew that he was a billionaire baller with a smoking hot, intelligent wife. And he always knew that. And I know that he always knew that because I saw the dude back in 1999, all five foot two of them selling VHS tapes out of the trunk of his car at my dealership, right? So I've seen him. He walked around like he was 10 feet tall and bulletproof, even though the dude ain't but like this, right? And so I'm sharing that story. And as I'm sharing the story, like, I've got, I know this story. I've said it a billion times. And as I'm sharing it, I'm like, get, 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 get. like I try to spit it out, but it, it just won't come out. I'm like, get, 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 because the clock's right there. And there's 45,000 people watching me. And I made the mistake and called my dad black when he's white. And so I'm like freaking out. And you can see it. If you watch the video, I'm like, get, 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 trying to spit it out in front of all these people. I'm like, dude, I don't have time for mistakes. Mm. I don't have time. Hell yeah. And I got to get to the end. Like, I got to get the punch I got to deliver. Because in the end, I'm going to say, I'm Glenn Lundy, husband to one, father to eight, and the greatest speaker in America. Yeah. Like, I have to say that part. Because if I say that part, maybe they'll say that part. You feel me? Yeah. If I declare it, maybe they'll declare it. You know, there's a funny story uh, 
A guy named Tim Story. Anybody know Tim Story? He's a great guy, right? Great guy. I was talking to uh, Tim Story, and uh, Tim Story was sharing with me, he was sharing a story of Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. Anybody know Michael Jackson? Just say, make some noise if you know Michael Jackson. Anybody know Quincy Jones? Yes, sir. Do you, do you guys know why I wear this tie? No. Because you're bad? Because like, no, it's going to blow the whole thing up. Did you see Grant Cardone give me a bottle of water? Yeah. yeah. My kids were asking me about that. I'm getting sidetracked. Okay. <laughs> so I wear this tie because this, this is my white glove. That's what this is. This is my white glove, right? Who saw the tie as I was walking around? Anybody see the tie? Who knew that was Glenn Lundy? If you knew me before, did you know you know it was Glenn Lundy, right? This is this is my white glove, right? Michael Jackson has that big old white glove. You you just see the glove, you're like Michael, right? That's what I want you to do with or that's what I'm gonna do with my tie. Right? I want you to see a tie thing, Glenn. You guys all need a white glove. There's 8 billion people out there. You need a white glove. So I'm talking to Tim Story. Tim Story says, he says, Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones are having a conversation. Right? Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones are having a conversation. And Michael Jackson goes up to Quincy Jones and he says, Quincy, I need to be the king of pop. And Quincy Jones says to him, no, bro. You're, just, you're Michael. You're Michael Jackson. You don't need to be the king of pop. He goes, no, 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 Quincy, you don't understand. Elvis Presley is the king of rock and roll. Aretha Franklin is the queen of soul. I need to be the king of pop. Quincy says, nah, man, you're crazy. You're talented. You're amazing. Like, just be Michael. Just Michael is enough. He goes, Quincy, call me the king of pop. Quincy goes, fine, Michael, you're the king of pop. He walks off. The next day, Michael Jackson's on Good Morning America. He's getting interviewed. And he says, so Quincy Jones has declared me the king of pop. <laughs> right? And now we all know Michael Jackson was the king of pop, right? It was a title that was given to him, but it was one that he asked for. So I had to get to the end of my speech and I had to say, I am the greatest speaker in America. Because I needed them to say, I am the greatest speaker in America. Right? And so I'm racing through the clocks there, the audience, the time, all the things. I'm messing up. My dad's black all of a sudden, right? It's crazy. Everything's falling apart. And I get to the end and I'm racing the clock. I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm the greatest speaker in America. Right? And everybody launches out of their seats. They explode. I don't know if they exploded because the I like got it in within time. I think that's really what it was, right? But everybody explodes, and there's this moment, and there it is, right? Like the moment I've been working for for 45 years. It's there. The audience is on their feet. They're clapping. They're cheering. I got through it. I did the three minutes. I delivered the message. Now they got to judge. And they're gonna, there's four of us, right? So they're judging who is gonna be the greatest speaker of America. They get rid of the first two real quick. They're like, you're gone, you're gone, right? I'm like, okay, it's down to just me and one other. Just me and one other one. And I've done screwed this whole thing up. And he did an amazing job. The other dude was like, amazing. So we get up there and they have the audience decide basically 
who is the greatest speaker in America. And they go to Randy, and uh, the guy named Randy, he was phenomenal, phenomenal speaker. He was spot on. They go to Randy, is, is Randy the greatest speaker in America? And everybody's like, yeah, woo! And I'm like, oh, crap, babe, because this guy did really good. He did way better than I did. Then they come over to Glenn, and they say, is Glenn Lundy the greatest speaker in America? And you guys show me what happened. Show me what happened. My guy Jamal standing on a, on a chair screaming. Stars Tina and the Sparkle Girls, they had a sign. They had signs with my family. They were screaming. Ramon was doing just that, like making everybody get up on their feet. My friend Danelle Delgado, some dude next to her like went to stand up on Randy. She grabbed him and put him in She told the guy, she said, today is not Randy's day. But today is not Randy's day. <laughs> and when all was said and done, they crowned me the greatest speaker in America. Thank you. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal for me. The biggest reason it was a big deal for me wasn't because of the title of the greatest speaker in America. I think that part's great. But the reason it was a big deal for me is there was a tremendous audience full of people that were willing to fight for me. There was a tremendous audience filled with people that, were, that, that, that saw me. They saw me for, for who I was. Flawed and all. I made mistake after mistake after mistake. You know, they say all the time, they say, nobody cares what you say, it's how you make them feel, right? Well, I think there's another caveat to that. Nobody cares what you say, it's the community you can build and how you make them feel. Because there were 35,000 people there that had no idea who I was. But there were 50 people that were fighting tooth and nail to make sure I got that title. Sometimes we get it confused. We think we gotta connect with the 35,000. We think we gotta get the 35,000 people to like us. That ain't the real. The real is you gotta get your tribe, your community, the people that are willing to fight for you and it shifts the tide in your favor. But see, you can't do that until you answer the question, who are you? You see, this identity thing is a big deal. Now that I'm labeled the greatest speaker in America, that's 
become part of my outward identity. It was always a part of my inward identity, but now it's a part of my outward identity. And so outwardly, I'm like, okay, great. This morning, example, this morning, I wanted to be, I wanted to be here with you guys all morning. Like I wanted to see this woman right here speak. I wanted to see Amberly um, Lago. Uh, Lago. I wanted yes. her to speak. Like I really wanted to. I wanted to hang with you guys all morning. I really, I really did. I, I, I would have been here yesterday too, but there's this thing called taxes. Anybody pay taxes? So stupid. Yeah, right. the, the whole tax thing is dumb, right? I'm not. We're not even going there. But it's dumb, right? But I wanted. I wanted to be here with you and. This morning, I, I did what I normally do. I do my morning routine. I slept two hours and, and 10 minutes, and um, I needed to get in a run because I'm training for a marathon, and my wife, for the first time ever, is at a conference today, wow. Ramon. Yeah, she's at a conference. I know, Ramon's like, y'all don't know my wife. She don't go nowhere, <laughs> ever, right? So my wife's at a conference today, a homeschooling conference. She went, she went by herself. Amazing. My wife has homeschooled all of my children um, for for the last 13 years. She's been homeschooling, but she went to this conference, right? So she called me because she was dealing with you know a couple things with some anxiety and so on and so forth going into that space. And then I had one of my salespeople call and he said, "Man, I got this 11 dealer group on the line and I need some help kind of closing this deal." And and so I'm looking at it all and I'm like, I want to be right here. This is where I want to be, right? But my identity is that I'm the guy that's there for everybody else. Like I'm there when they need me most, right? That's part of my identity. So I asked myself a question this morning because I could have just told my sales guy like, dude, go close your own deal. That's what, that's what I pay you to do. What do you need me for? That's not a, that's a low value, what do they say? That's a low value task. But it's not a $10,000 an hour task. I should not be taking out the trash, right? Whatever that thing is. But I literally, I thought about you, I thought about this community, and I thought, well, what would they think I would do? What is my community, my people that fight with me? Would they want me to hang out with them and catch a couple things, or would they want me to be there for my wife? Would they want me to be there for my people? Right? And so when we start asking this question of who are we, we start attaching our identity, then we can start making those decisions that fall in line with that identity, right? So the greatest speaker in America, so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about that this morning in the middle of everything too, and I'm like, exactly what I'm gonna talk about, how I'm gonna talk about, how I'm gonna deliver this, how are we gonna connect this, and then there's the extra pressure that comes with the expectation of me being the greatest speaker in America. And so my head immediately goes where? Negative, right? My head's like, well, I really screwed up that speech. If it wasn't for my people, I wouldn't even be here. Randy's actually a better speaker. I'm out there running in the streets of Dallas. I'm like, who am I, who am I, who am I, why, why am I pretending to be a runner? Not a runner. I hate running. This sucks. This step sucks. This step sucks. This step sucks. Glenn, quit saying it sucks. Just do it, but it sucks, right? Anybody get there? <coughs> Where your head is just like bang, 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 beating you down, cutting you down, cutting you down, right? So negative. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, how do, how, how do we, when we start to live out 
our true identity, how do we squash that aspect? The negative, the pressure. And so I started looking and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I won the greatest speaker in America. I was on the stage. They gave me the thing. Glenn, you deserved that win. Because you made people feel a certain way. Even though you screwed up on the words, you made people feel a certain way. After the event, the aftermath of the greatest speaker in America is the craziest thing I've ever had happen to me. I had hundreds and hundreds of people come up to me, and you know what they said? They said, Glenn, I heard your story, and guess what? Me too. Me too. I had white people tell me me too. I had black people tell me me too. I had rich people tell me me too. I had poor people tell me me too. They, and I'm like, wait, I thought my story was about black and white. The reality of the story is the same across the board. We all battle with our identity. And so what I wanted to do today with this stage is I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to start asking that question. Who am I in the context of what do I want others to know they can count on me for? Who am I in the context of what do I want others to know they can count on me for? See, we talk about building a business. We talk about building a brand. We talk about all the strategies. We talk about doing the things on social. We talk about the posts that we need to make. We talk about AI. Who's talking about AI? Where's my AI folks? Babs, AI folk, AI folk, AI folk. My team hates my new girlfriend. Her name is Chatra GPT. I love her. She's amazing. My wife even approved her. She's like, you can have that girlfriend right there. Her and I have conversations every single day, right? Like, it's phenomenal, right? But we have all the tools, and I'm here to tell you today that none of the tools will get you where you want to go until you answer that question, who am I? It won't matter. You can have the AI, you can have all the things. We have to answer that question, who am I? And here's the thing about identity, and this is why identity is so challenging, is it changes over time. I used to identify as a homeless person. That was my identity. I was homeless in the streets of San Diego, California. I spent every day doing the exact same thing. I would ride a bus overnight to stay safe. I would get off the bus at six in the morning, and then I would spend the day walking up and down the streets looking for change. A nickel, a dime, a quarter, a penny. I had one goal, I needed enough money to get a sausage McMuffin with egg and an orange juice. Anybody know why? All the food groups. All the food groups, that's right, she nailed it. <laughs> had my meat, had my dairy, had all of them, right? And then I'd spend the rest of the day looking for enough change to be able to get back on that bus. And I'd do it over and over and over and over. And if you were to ask me at that time, who am I? I would have told you I'm a deadbeat. I would have told you I'm an inmate who's been in and out of jail 17 times. I would have told you I'm a terrible person to be in a relationship. I would have told you I was a terrible dad. I would have told you that I was a liar, that I was a cheater, that I was a con man. Like, I would have told you all those things because I truly believe that that time that was my identity. And guess what? 
who I thought I was on the inside manifested itself on the outside. And I got to tell you, it's a crazy place to be. Homelessness became a deep, like homelessness became hopelessness. Hopelessness became a deep depression. Deep depression became suicidal thoughts. Suicidal thought became a suicide attempt. I attempted to drown myself in the Pacific Ocean. Because like I told you guys earlier, I can't swim. <laughs> Luckily, I failed at that. Otherwise, this would be the craziest conference you've ever been to. <laughs> but luckily, I failed at that. And when laying on the beach in my guilt and my shame and the identity of who I thought I was at the time, God said to me, the most powerful words I ever heard. God said to me, you take yourself wherever you go. And at the time, I was like, what does that mean? I take myself wherever I go. Like, that sounds like some fortune cookie shit or something, right? Like, you, you take yourself wherever you go. What does that mean? Well, I started to look. I looked at my life, and I'm like, dang. Every city that I lived in, every group of friends that I had, every job that I had, every experience that I had in life that ended negatively, there was only one thing constant. Me. I was the only one there every single time. And what was crazy is I had this identity where it was everyone else's fault. It was everyone else's fault because I was fill in the blank. And so all of a sudden I got this wake up moment. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm the common denominator. You're, you're, you're the common denominator. So then it was like, okay, wait a minute. So I am actually the catalyst of all this? You mean who I think I am? The identity that I have creates my reality? I'm not invisible anymore. When I was homeless, I felt invisible. Like nobody could see me. They couldn't see me for, for who I was. But the reality was I wasn't showing up for who I was. It wasn't them, it was me. When you start to show up in life as you are, who you are, people will see you. People will celebrate you. People will lock arms. They will fight for you. They will grab the person next to them and sit them down and say, it's not Randy's day today. Woo! Hey! You're good enough. You know, I was, I do work in dealerships and um, recently I bought a jet. Woo, woo, woo! Yay! Hold on, I'm gonna say that one more time. <laughs> recently I bought a jet. Is my jet white? Ooh. It's just a jet. Recently, I bought a jet. I do work in car dealerships. I have a big client named Patrick. I go to Patrick's place in Atlanta often 
uh, to do work with him and, and, and his team. And there was a big storm coming in. This is last month. You guys remember a big old storm? There was a big storm coming in. And so my pilot calls me. He says, <laughs> my pilot calls me. <laughs> my, pilot, my pilot calls me. And he says, Glenn, there's a big storm. We're not going to be able to go in in the morning. Like, I, I know you need to be there at 830. I can't get you there until like 1. There's a big storm. We can't fly. You will die. Right? I'm like, dang. Okay. All right. Guess that ain't going to work. So I call, I call my client, and I don't want to call my client. I don't want to let down my client. Who am I? I am the guy that shows up for the people that need me when they need me. That's who I am. So I call my client. I'm like, yo, there's a big storm. They're telling me that I can't get there in the morning, so I'm trying to figure this out. Well, uh, maybe I could rent a car, right? I'm like, I'll rent a car. I'll drive because it's like 12 hours or something like that, however, however many hours. I'm like, I'll drive. But I, w I don't want to take my car because the jet's going to be there by like noon to be able to pick me up to take me to the other places. So I'll, I'll rent a car. I'll drive through the night. I'll maybe stay in a hotel. Maybe I won't. And then I'll, I'll, I'll be there at 830 because I know I need to be there at 830 in the morning because that's what you like. That's what we agreed upon. And that's what needs to happen. And, and I'm always going to be the guy that's going to show up for you no matter what. That's happened. And he, goes, he, he, he sits there on the phone quiet for a second and he goes, um, why don't you just ask the pilot if you can go tonight? <laughs> I said, Glenn, you own a jet. Why would you rent a car? I said, yeah. I called my pilot. I said, yo, can we go tonight? He said, yeah, of course we can go tonight. It's your jet. I had a rental car mindset. I owned a jet, but I had a rental car mindset. There was never a problem. When I called my client with a problem, there was actually never a problem. I created the problem because I owned a jet, but I had a rental car mindset. Some of you, some of you are the jet, but you've got a rental car mindset. Some of you are creating the problem because of the identity that you've connected yourself to. <laughs> Got me to you. Look, knock the line over. Knock the line over. <laughs> this is a powerful moment right here. And you over here. No. Connected with somebody over at state. Yeah. The, the, the mirror. The jet. The There's a lot of jets in this room. There's a lot of jets in this room. Identity. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you. I just shared this with Ramon. Um, I keep saying I needed multiple streams of income. I keep having this deficit mentality. And then maybe like three days ago, um, I opened up a real estate company 12 years ago. And I'm, I've been in debt since I married my ex-husband and whatever, whatever. Like three days ago, it dawned on me. I have 18 agents. That's 18 streams of income. That's right. I didn't even realize it. And you saying that just made me realize. Like, jet. Yeah. 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 You're a jet, girl. Make some noise for this young lady. Woo!
There's a lot of Jets in this room. And my guess is, my guess is, that you want to unlock your full potential, right? Absolutely. That's why you're in the room. You know that there's more there there. Yes. You know that what you've brought to the table is good enough yes. because we're grateful, but we're not satisfied. Yes. Always grateful, never satisfied. In order for you, me, all of us, to be able to unlock that full potential, we have to answer that question. Who are you? Not your job, not what society wants you to be, not your financial status, not the color of your skin. Who are you? Because see, I believe, I believe that you and I are children of God. The God of the universe. The God that made everything. And I believe that that God calls us to be the best versions of ourselves that we can possibly be. Not an average version, not a little bit above average version, but the absolute best versions of ourselves that we can possibly be. And in order to do that, we gotta do the work. We have to do the work to fully understand who we are. And when you do the work, I promise you, I promise you, the stars will align and you will shine. Is that fair? Yes. Thanks for having me, guys. Woo!